This is The Bible and Homosexuality. I'm your host, Elton Sherwin. I know it sounds melodramatic, but there are young Christians out there who have tried mightily to change themselves and are suicidal, believing that they have failed their church and that they have failed their God, all because they have been taught a corrupted, conservative sexual theology. And I feel it's important that they know they have allies. So I would love to recruit you to help spread the word. Many new listeners find us on Twitter. If you have a Twitter account and you are in a place where it is safe to do so, please like or retweet several of my short videos. Search for Elton Sherwin and look for our distinctive cross on a rainbow background. Thank you. Episode 10, My Journey, Sexual Purity, and President Carter on Gay Marriage. Episode 10, My Journey, Sexual Purity, and President Carter on Gay Marriage. I had asked our local online newspaper if they would be interested in doing an article publicizing these podcasts. As part of our correspondence, I sent them a bit of background information on how these podcasts came to be. They printed my background piece in its entirety. I have put a link to the article in the notes, but here it is, lightly edited. The online article was titled, Elton Sherwin Offers Podcasts on the Bible and the LGBTQIA Community. Here, he explains why. In the 1970s, while I was at college, my mother, a devout liberal Catholic, shared with me the Catholic Theological Society of America's interim report on human sexuality. Published as a book, it was written by five American Catholic theologians. It was never officially approved, but it is a treasure trove of pre-internet scholarship on human sexuality. I knew from this report that some Catholic theologians did not agree with the oft-repeated mantra, the Bible condemns homosexuality. Fast forward to the early 2000s. I had left the Catholic Church and was attending an evangelical megachurch. I was also a discussion leader in a large, conservative, international Bible study. I went to one of their regional leadership conferences, and I was stunned. I was shocked at the homophobic vitriol that I heard. So, I went on the web looking to see if there was any research that backed up the liberal Catholic claim 
that the Bible did not condemn homosexuality. I found a number of well-written articles that laid out this case, and I wrote a two-page letter to my Bible studies leadership arguing that the biblical case against homosexuality was very murky. And given the shaky and disputed nature of the claim, the Bible condemns all homosexuality, we should stop teaching it. It was certainly not central to Christian doctrine or salvation. Then, when I retired, I looked at this issue again. We were having conversations with our own adult children about our reservations, about some of the things, particularly around sexual purity, that they had heard growing up in a non-affirming evangelical megachurch and also while attending and working at various Christian summer camps. I spent the better portion of two years developing a three-part affirming curriculum for high school students and young adults on the Bible and homosexuality. I was partially motivated by the research that showed that regularly attending worship services benefits children, improving grades, reducing drug use, etc. Here is a short excerpt from a 2018 Harvard study. Their research reported that young people who attended weekly religious services or practiced daily prayer or meditation reported greater life satisfaction and positivity in their 20s and were less likely to, subsequently, have depressive symptoms, smoke, use illicit drugs, or have a sexually transmitted infection. Virtually all measures of well-being in children seemed to be improved by regularly attending a religious service. I will include links to this research in the notes. Tragically, there is one exception. LGBTQIA plus children attending non-affirming churches, churches that will not publicly marry same-sex couples. These queer children and young adults attending non-affirming churches were more likely to consider self-harm and commit suicide. The more devout the child, the more likely they were to consider self-harm. The fate of LGBTQIA children and young adults is so troubling. When I read the stories of young queer Christians on Twitter and elsewhere, it is heartbreaking. As we started to come out of the pandemic, and as my stroke was behind me, it felt like a good time to try my hand at turning my research into podcasts. I decided to use conservative Bible study techniques going through the relevant scripture line by line. In these podcasts, I show how very shaky and very muddled the biblical case against homosexuality is. The verses today called the clobber verses do not condemn consensual 
same-sex relationships. Rather, they condemn abusive sexual practices illegal today. As I was doing research for these podcasts, one surprise was the LGBTQIA plus affirming Bible passages. In some places, the Bible celebrates and honors sexual minorities, promising them a unique and elevated place in God's kingdom. I then ended the online article with this sentence. If these podcasts can prevent one suicide, they will have been worth the effort. Some thoughts on gay marriage and God-honoring sex. Let me close with quotes from two interviews with one of America's most famous evangelical Sunday school teachers, President Carter, the 39th President of the United States. The links to these interviews are in the notes. Unfortunately, I don't have a South Georgia accent in my repertoire. So, here are President Carter's remarks read by Descript. Homosexuality was well known in the ancient world, well before Christ was born, and Jesus never said a word about homosexuality. In all of his teachings about multiple things, he never said that gay people should be condemned. Then, in a subsequent interview, he said, Jesus would approve of gay marriage. I think Jesus would encourage any love affair if it was honest and sincere and was not damaging to anyone else. Jesus would encourage any love affair if it was honest and sincere and not damaging to anyone else. Kingdom Honoring Sex I was recently pulled aside during the coffee hour after church and asked by a young man, what does godly gay sex look like? To answer this question, we return to President Carter. I think Jesus would encourage any love affair if it was honest and sincere and was not damaging to anyone else. Whether you are married or single, straight or gay, or somewhere else in the rainbow. This is a pretty good definition of God-honoring sex. Honest, sincere, and not damaging to anyone else. While the vast majority of young Christians ignore the doctrine of sexual purity, that only kissing and holding hands are allowed before marriage. Many Christians, straight and queer, carry great guilt for not living up to this rule which appears nowhere in the Bible. Following President Carter's more biblically accurate advice of being honest, sincere, and not damaging to anyone else, takes considerable knowledge and skill. I fear conservative churches have inadvertently created a sexual wild west 
by creating a rule that almost no one can follow and giving no advice on what people should do in the real world. Perhaps I'll do a future podcast series on the Christian alternatives to sexual purity. A brief rant on sexual purity. Most churches send their high school students into the world or off to college told simply, do not have sex until you're married. This is woefully inadequate. And more than half our daughters will end up with a sexually transmitted infection or cancer or having an accidental pregnancy. And many young Christian women will end up with all three, an STI, a cancer, and an accidental pregnancy. What a tough way to start out in life. All for the lack of knowledge and training and a made-up rule. Shame on all of us Christian parents for letting this happen again. This doctrine of sexual purity didn't work for our generation. It isn't working for our children. Pray we get our act together before our grandchildren grow up. Avoiding sex until marriage is a rule that Christ forgot to mention and that God omitted from the Ten Commandments. Some clarifications. My youngest daughter wanted to make sure that you knew that honest and sincere must include consent. A very important point. Also, one of our other early reviewers said the remark about sexually transmitted cancers needs explaining. I will do this very briefly. About 90% of cervical cancers, the cancer that women get a pap smear for, 90% of cervical cancers are caused by a virus, which is most commonly sexually transmitted. These sexually transmitted cancers are not limited to the cervix and are not limited to women. Over 60% of cancers of the penis appear to be sexually transmitted as well. There is a vaccine for young men and women called Gardasil, and when combined with safe sex practices, can dramatically reduce a young adult's chance of getting one of these cancers, which take decades to appear. I will include some links in the notes. We've covered a lot of material today, more than I had intended. We give the last word to President Carter. I think Jesus would encourage any love affair, if it was honest and sincere and was not damaging to anyone else. Profound remarks from one of America's most thoughtful evangelical Sunday school teachers. Jesus would encourage any love affair if it was honest and sincere and not damaging to anyone else. A lot more coming up 
This is Elton Sherwin. Thank you for joining me. Please share this podcast with anyone who struggles with these issues. Until next time. This is Elton again. If you know young people who have left the church, please send them a link to this series.